Well, everybody, welcome in to another podcast of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and I am so honored that you have chosen our podcast to listen to today. Maybe you're starting your day out. Maybe you're winding your day down. Maybe you're just in on your lunch break in the middle of the day, outside cutting grass, uh, working in the yard, working on the house, something. Maybe you're laying on the beach, relaxing. Got your AirPods in your ear. Got your, your headphones on. Maybe you're on an airplane. Who knows? I could go on and on. <laughs> uh, but the bottom line is this. Whether you're sitting in front of your computer or doing something else with your AirPods in your ear, you are listening, and that is a blessing to us. You know what else would be a blessing to us? If you would just give us a five-star rating, share us, and more than anything, make sure you click that follow button so that when we post our podcast and you open up your podcast app and we will populate and be right there in front of you letting you know that we got a new episode. To today's episode, I want to talk about a story that is one of my favorite stories in Scripture, and I believe one of the most critical stories that we need to go back and study as leaders uh, being a part of this remnant generation, of which I mean, of course, being a part of what we believe probably is the final generation. And, you know, God is has said some very specific things about that generation. Uh, whoever that generation ends up being, and I think most of us believe it's certainly either us or our children, uh, we believe that that generation is alive today, whether it is actually us at our age, old men like myself, uh, that are living the papa life right now, or even our grandchildren's age. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is this. I believe the generation that was spoken of in scripture about being the final generation, the Acts chapter, I mean, excuse me, the Joel chapter two outpouring on all flesh generation, the generation of the great falling away generation, the generation that would see the rapture of the church generation. And of course, you know, all the signs of prophecy that, that that generation will see. And certainly one of the biggest ones that I talk a lot about on this podcast is the Hebrews 12 prophecy about the great shaking to where everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. So all this is going on right now, and it leads most people that study Scripture to believe that we are probably that final generation. Well, what does it have to do with the story that I'm talking about today? It's because today I want to talk about uh, what some people, unfortunately, have sort of equated to a vacation Bible school story, um, a children's church story, maybe referred to or watched a movie where documentary or whatever. And that's the story of Noah. Noah is um, not only a famous story found in Genesis chapter 6, but Noah was quoted by Jesus and referenced by Jesus regarding the final remnant generation. If you'll remember, he said to a group of people that he was teaching uh, that he had just done miracles for and he was teaching. And there was this discussion going on about the end times and uh, the uh, return of the, I mean, not the return of the Lord, but in that time they were talking about the judgment of God and the end of things and all of this. And, and Jesus makes a very, um, very unusual statement because it's very, very widely known, certainly in the time of Jesus the condition of the world in the day of Noah. He said, 
just as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So he says, you know, they'll be giving and receiving uh, marriage and doing, you know, all this kind of stuff that he quotes. Okay. But the main thing I want you to realize is that he, he brought up the story of Noah. And he brought up the story of Noah because, you know, he wanted to, I believe, it's, it's multifold uh, reason. If that's even a word. If it's not, I just invented it. See, if you say it on the internet, it becomes real, right? <laughs> uh, wait a minute. See, wait a minute. Do I have this? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. The crowd thought that was funny. Didn't you think that was funny? But um, but he says, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So when we hear that, and we've heard preachers preach that, we talk, we, we immediately go to the condition of the world. Uh, because the Bible talks about it being evil continue. I mean, in fact, let's let's just read it. Let's just read what the Word of God says about the condition of the environment and humanity in the time of Noah. It's found in the famous chapter of six of Genesis, Genesis chapter six. Now, now it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them. This is wild, y'all. This is deep and wild. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took them wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Uh, there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who are of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord, listen to this tragic statement. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. Now, if we would stop right there, that's about as tragic of a story in the gospel as you can find. When you are when when the humanity of this earth is so bad that the creator of humanity and the creator of everything, of the entire universe, of everything that exists, I'm talking about everything, is sorry for making that creation of the one that he made in his image, the, the, the creation that he said was very good in the garden, that walked with him in the cool of the day. And now he's saying, I literally am grieving because I have done this. Now watch this. This is mind boggling. But here's the story is that no matter how bad it gets, God has always got a remnant. Okay, there's always a remnant, and remember the remnant is always small. And you can't get more of a remnant and more small of a remnant than this story. Because when we talk about the remnant church right now, we're not talking about one family. We're talking about the family of God, and, and there's the remnant is rising all over this world. Yeah, it might not be the majority. It might not be in the millions and the hundreds of millions. It might be in the thousands in some regions. But the reality is this. We know there's a mighty army raising up all over the world. There are remnant churches in every nationality and every language. But this is the remnant of all remnants, y'all. So if we were to stop at verse 7 and end it where I just ended reading, that would be such a tragic story. But thank God, 
for verse 8. Verse 8, new beginnings, number of new beginnings, says this, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you're talking about the whole world was evil. And we know the story. Spoiler alert. When the, when the ark was built, God tells him to build an ark. He builds the ark to specifications uh, to save uh, all the creation that he created in the earth, in the Garden of Eden, and, and in that area, the animals, and even humanity, because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah is able to go upon the boat with his family, his wife, his and sons, and, and daughter-in-laws. And uh, God shuts the door of the boat. And as you know, he preached for a hundred years, building this hundred years, y'all. Hey, preachers. Hey, leaders. Listen to me. Y'all want to quit the ministry because you've had a couple of dry weeks where you've had a couple of dry months or even a couple of dry years where maybe everything you dreamed of in the ministry is not happening for you overnight. Maybe you're, you don't have this, the, uh, as big a building as some of your preacher friends have or Maybe your parking lot's not paved yet, and, oh, you're suffering for Jesus, having to uh, drive on gravel. You know, I could just go on and on and on how preachers complain and talk. But how how'd you like to preach for 100 years? Not just preach for 100 years, but preach about something that you're building in front of everybody, and you're being mocked, you're being ridiculed, you're being told that you're an idiot because get get this your message is prop is is a prophetic message of something coming that is going to bring judgment and kill all of them if they don't repent and that thing that you're preaching that is coming has never happened before okay so so watch this the bible said it had never rained before it had only brought up a mist from the earth and the mist would come up from the earth and and that mist that was supernatural uh, from the earth, because, you know, it wasn't supernatural in the sense that God had created that system to work, uh, literally fed everything in the root system from the ground up because of the moisture that was in the earth. And he's preaching about rain. He's preaching about water coming out of the clouds, and that ain't never happened before. And he preaches it for a 100 years while building a boat, something that people couldn't even imagine. Why some, they, th- they had the thought he was, had lost his mind, that he was literally clinically crazy because he's building a big enough boat, y'all, to handle two of many different species of animals and seven of other species of animals. And then his family, and I believe he had room for a lot of people too because he wouldn't have preached, y'all get on the boat with me if he didn't have room. It was big, y'all. And a hundred years of preaching and a hundred years of altar calls, and nobody responds. Nobody gets saved. Nobody comes down and lets them pray for him. Nobody's a tither. Nobody's giving. Nobody's helping him build. Nobody. But he still believed God. He still had grace. In the eyes of the Lord. So you may have thought the title of this podcast for a leadership podcast was unusual. And that is called is called Lead Like Noah. Lead Like Noah. So the reason I'm calling it Lead Like Noah or 
I may call it, and it's going to be either lead like like Noah, hadn't titled it yet, I made the podcast yet, obviously, because I'm taping it, lead like Noah or the Noah Leadership Principle. Yeah, I like that one. That's what I'll do. The Noah Leadership. Oh, yeah. Noah Leadership Principle. Um, so, and that is this, that is this, that, that God, when Jesus talked about as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the son of man, it's talking about the condition of the world. It's talking about the evil of the world. But let me tell you something else. God, God is, he's man, he's, he's wild y'all. God, God is so big picture. It's unbelievable. And in these last days where the scriptures are being illuminated to us and we're seeing things that that's been there all along that hidden in plain sight. It's causing our, us to be triggered to think of things that we may have not thought of when we when we think of these stories, and such as the story of Noah. We think about the forty days and forty nights of rain. We think about the flood. We think about the the highest mountain being covered by the water. We know we know all the story. I'm not going to preach it again. But but what we don't really ever talk about is the leader Noah, the leader Noah, the remnant leader Noah. See. Remnant means small. Remnant means what seems to be insignificant. Well, you can't get much smaller of a remnant than Noah and his family. And notice, notice this too. I want you all to see something that we, we don't usually talk about. It doesn't say Noah, Noah's family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So people will preach sometimes that there was just one family left. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. All we know is that it probably was one man left on the earth. One man in the whole earth. If that's the case, then you're talking about one man uh, in the natural who's not Jesus, okay? You know, here's because, you know, we all know that when you ask anybody, how do you think, you think one man can save the world? Everybody be like, of course they did. Jesus Christ saved the world. He was one man. Yeah, I know that. I know that. And I know that ultimately God is the one that saved humanity in the story of Noah. But watch this. There was no one else on this earth that was listed as finding grace in the eyes of the Lord, which means favor and mercy, unmerited favor in the eyes of the Lord, but one man named Noah. And it wasn't just one man named Noah. This was a man who faced daily ridicule, daily mockery, and then daily intense manual labor of, you know, you don't have cranes. You don't have all these different um, these different things going on. To, I mean, these different types of machinery to help you build something as massive as this. It was built by hand. It's built by hand, y'all. It's crazy. I'm sure that some of the animals helped carry some of the stuff and all this. And by the way, I've not seen the movie Noah. Uh, I've only seen clips of it um, that came out in the secular movie. Um, and y'all may have seen it, and I may be wrong on this, but I think he had the Nephilim, I can't ever say that word right, which is what they believed to be the giants that was in the land at that time, uh, had somehow got on board with Noah and helped him build the ark, and that's how it got built. You know, they always try to explain the supernatural with the natural, and of course that's not necessarily natural. But they, they want to just take away from the fact that Noah and his family and his boys could not have done it on their own. 
Um, you know, that's just like, you know, when they talk about the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, you study that in the secular or you watch it on the National Geographic Channel and they're showing them, yeah, they crossed it, but they crossed it in one part that's that's very, very shallow. You know, I heard one preacher say, well, OK, we'll take it. So, you know, if you don't want to acknowledge the miracle that, you know, God parted the deepest part of the Red Sea and and children of Israel walked across and then he closed it back in on Pharaoh and killed Pharaoh and drowned Pharaoh. If you don't want to accept that one, we'll accept your narrative. Maybe they did walk across where it was shallow. But but what's a greater miracle that God would swallow up an entire army, Pharaoh's army, in, in the deep part of, of the ocean or drown them in ankle-deep water? <laughs> Either way, uh, the miracle was that the Pharaoh Pharaoh and his army was no more. So, so when we look at Noah... Uh, you know, people's always trying to explain how did this happen? How, what what kind of supernatural thing? No, the dude, the reason it took a hundred years is because the dude and his boys built it while being ridiculed. Watch this while being ridiculed. But wait a minute, that is almost enough. That is enough by itself. But guys, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. There is some wild stuff going on in the days of Noah. It is not just that there were people mocking him when he's preaching about rain coming and a boat being built. Let us go back and look at it one more time. Now, it came to pass, and we're talking about the days of Noah, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and dollars were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now, look, most theologians believe that the sons of God were spirit beings, maybe possibly even angelic beings. Okay? This is just some wild stuff, y'all. That that it says that they took wives for themselves of whom they chose. Now, it is believed by most theologians, most people. Now, some people will explain that maybe the sons of God was referencing um, different types of humans of different tribes or whatever. But, you know, you call a human being a son of God and then in the same breath acknowledge that every human being, including every man on this earth, was evil continually. Uh, you're not going to call them the son of God. So most theologians believe, and I don't understand it, I don't have the um, rational explanation of it, but that somehow, whether it was angels, uh, disembodied spirits, uh, just all kinds of different theories there are, there was some kind of spiritual being, y'all, that had a, some weird door was open to them. And we don't know how and why. And it may have been just because the earth was so evil, it was unified in evil, that it opened up a, you want to call it a portal or whatever, uh, of freedom to demonic spirits. But the reality is this, and I know you don't usually get this kind of teaching on the Leadership Podcast. Some of you that follow this on Leadership Podcast are like, oh, my Lord, what am I listening to right now? Who is this guy? I thought he was a leadership teacher. Well, I am. I'm teaching leadership, and I'm trying to show you something. That the condition of Noah, the leadership of Noah, was not just that he preached. It wasn't just that he, was, that he built a, an ark and preached in the midst of a hundred years of rejection, this guy was preaching in an environment that we don't even, we can't even comprehend. The Bible says that when this weird, strange 
uh, cohabitation of angelic beings or fallen angels or something. Certainly was not the godly angels. It was either fallen angels or some kind of hybrid or something. I don't know. But without without getting deep, I will just emphatically say this. I don't know about all these other things, but I do know that there was there are angels, and I do know that a third of those angels fell with Satan. So I'm going to go with fallen angels. And because when you see sons of God, you, you, you parallel that with the book of Job. And if you know the story of Job, uh, the Bible says, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan came in among them. And in that word, the same word for sons is used there to illustrate angelic beings, messengers of God. So several places, the sons of God are referred to as an angels. So the sons of God had relationships with human daughters of, of human young girls and made them their wives, meaning, meaning they had sex with them. That's just weird. I'm just going to say it. I know that I shouldn't have probably said that. I should have said, and they knew them, the King James translation. But we know what that means when somebody says they knew each other in a biblical sense. We know what that means, okay? So it's weird and it's strange. And immediately, listen to this, immediately, right after that is, that is stated, the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. So, so he says, okay, I'm, I'm saying right now that this, is, this has got to end. But watch this. This is what's crazy. This is the world that Noah preached in. The Bible says that as a result of that strange union between spirit beings and earthly beings, that giants were born on this earth in those days and afterwards. When And it says, it don't just say there were giants in the land. It says there were giants in the earth in those days, verse 4, Genesis chapter 6, in those days and afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who are of old men of renown. Now, I don't understand this. I just believe that the Bible is the Bible. I can't explain it to you in the natural realm, but I can tell you the scriptures. I can just basically just tell you that you don't have to make the scriptures mean something that they're not. The scripture is telling us that there were giants, deformed, strange, huge beings came as a result of this. Now, watch this. That was an attack against the bloodline of the garden. It was an attack against so many things against the creation of God. And Noah, Noah was preaching in the midst of that and building a boat in the midst of that. Not just in the midst of wickedness, but in the in the midst of spiritual things and natural things coming together in a demonic way that no human beings had ever seen. And I don't know if any human beings have ever seen since. And quite frankly, probably the only uh, demonic fallen angel manifestation, strange things happening, uh, events in scripture that could parallel the times of the preaching of Noah at all is going to be what happens during the tribulation period when you know, there's one particular set of angels that the Bible says left their uh, proper habitation and went into the habitation of humanity. And because of that, they were bound and chained 
in, in, a, in a particular place that will be loose during that time. So it just gets crazy, y'all. It's just wild. And in the midst of it, can you imagine not just the preaching and the teaching and the building, but the conversations that he had to have with his sons and his daughter-in-laws and his wife when they begin to, to hear the rumors of what was happening to their, to their friends, that to their neighbors, and, and how they were now beginning to see these deformed children growing into the, being giants. Here's the reality about Noah. Noah led through it all. Noah was a great man of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a builder. Noah was a preacher. Noah was a leader. Because, and he was a remnant leader. Let me tell you, when you, we talk about the, you know, the world walking away from the church and, and, and the and, you know, evil continually around us and what in the world, the condition of this world couldn't get much worse than it is right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it can. And it will. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Why? How do I know it's not going to get better? It's going to get worse. It's because Jesus quoted Noah, referenced Noah. He said, listen, you go back and read the story of Noah, and that's what you're going to see in the, in the, in the generation that will see the return of the Son of Man. So in other words, I don't know if we're going to see giants in the natural manifesting. Maybe. I'm not. Look. Look, read, read Revelation, okay? There's going to be some strange manifestations that are going to happen here on this earth. There's going to be some things in the spirit realm that's going to be opened up and permitted by God to come into the physical realm. I and mean, that's just deep teaching for another podcast and probably on my other podcast channel, The Big Picture. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is he wasn't just referencing, and this is what hit me and made me want to make this podcast to you leaders. He wasn't just referencing when he said, as in the days of Noah, you need to remember the days of Noah, uh, the condition of the world. I think he was reminding us of Noah. I think he was. I think Noah represents the remnant. I think Noah represents the preacher who's going to have to preach in one of the most demonic, sick, sick world. This is these were sick things that were happening in Genesis chapter six. There are sick things happening right now in our world around us. The same demons that were moving and, 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 and directing and manipulating things in the days of Genesis chapter 6 are still alive today. There's no new demons that have been made, okay? There's no new angels that have been created. When God created the angels, they were eternal. So the same devil we're fighting today was the same devil that Jesus faced uh, in the, during the 40 days. The same demons that we're fighting now, the same demons that they fought then. And, uh, but in the midst of it, in the midst of the chaos, and I want to just say this one last thing before I get off this podcast. Uh, you know, we know about David and Goliath. We, when we think about mankind facing a giant, without question, 99.999% of people will reference David and Goliath. But I want to tell you, that long before David ever existed, there was already somebody facing giants. And maybe he didn't take them down with a smooth stone, a slingshot, but he preached to them and he preached about them. When they were probably very frightening and probably very powerful, could have overpowered him, but he knew who he was in God. 
And he knew that he had a mandate on him. And he knew the rain was coming. And he knew the judgment of God was coming. Jesus said, listen, remnant will understand this. Work while it's day. For the night is coming when no man can work. No one knew there would come a day that he would walk up that ramp that he built with his own hands. And he would walk into that boat with all those animals. And God would shut the door. And the work would be finished. So that's why every single day of his life, without fail, he was a leader. And he stayed the course. And he didn't quit. And he didn't buy into what the world was given. And because of that, God rescued him and his family. Will you stand? Will you be that voice? Because God is calling you to stand for your family. But he's calling you to stand for the body. Remnant leaders, lead like Noah. The rain is coming. <laughs>